we come to Psalm 101 and um, another glorious, glorious psalm before us. And notice here I titled the message this morning, A Man After God's Own Heart. And entitled the message that today because notice there the heading of the psalm, it's a psalm of David. And David was a man who God used to write at least 75 of the psalms. Some believe more than that, but out of the 150 psalms, we know that he wrote at least 75 of them. And they were written indeed by a man after God's own heart. David was a man after God's own heart. And that's quite a statement, isn't it? A man after God's own heart. Who is that guy? He's a man after God's own heart. What a, what a statement to be made. And we know that that's the case, not because David said, hey guys, check it out, I'm a man after God's own heart. Or you know what, his crew that walked with him decided, you know what, we need to have a title for David. How about a man after God's own heart? That's not how he got that title. We know that he got that title or he was called that because God Almighty called him a man after God's own heart. We know that Saul had became the first king there of Israel as the Lord wanted to be their king, but they wanted to be like the world. So unfortunately, they got a king that was like where their heart was in a place of rebellion. And Saul started off pretty well, but soon he began to drift from the Lord. And indeed, by the time his life was uh, over, he had shown himself not to be a man after God's own heart, but a man who sought to bring praise and glory and honor to himself. And midway through Saul, Saul's reign, he was called to wait for Samuel to come and offer a sacrifice unto the Lord. That was a duty reserved strictly just for the priest. And instead of waiting, Saul got ahead of God, as we so often foolishly do ourselves. And he offered a sacrifice unto the Lord. And right after he offered it, Samuel showed up and said, you know, what did you do here? And we read here in 1 Samuel thirteen thirteen. it says, Samuel said to Saul, you've done foolishly. You've not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. And then notice what he says next. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord has commanded you. And that was a direct reference to David, a man after God's own heart. Now, interesting with David, there were times in his life, like in our lives, where he didn't honor the Lord. In fact, there were times when David fell into grave sin. And yet we always saw him a man chastened by God. Listen, when you love the Lord, God's faithful to chasten you when you get out of bounds and out of his will. Has anyone experienced that? Can anyone say amen to that? this morning and in those situations we always saw david repent respond to the discipline of his father a mark of a man or a woman after god's own heart but listen there's so many examples in david's life and in the psalms of what a man after god's own heart looks like you see david wasn't a man after god's own heart because he just you know what said oh i got a warm feeling in my heart before god and Yet his life never reflected that. His life was marked with faith. And his life was marked with a man set apart for the Lord. And we see that throughout the Psalms. We see that again throughout his life. And in this Psalm before us this morning, we're going to look at some attributes in David's life 
that are attributes of a man or a woman after God's own heart. Because I believe you're here today because you want to be a man or woman after God's own heart. Can we say amen to that this morning? I mean, there's no one greater. There's nothing more fulfilling. There's nothing more of a fulfilled life than serving the Lord and saying, above all, I want to honor my God. I want to have a heart loyal to Him. So we'll see some of these attributes in His life and talk about them and talk about how God wants us to grow in these things. In verses 1 through 4, we'll look at those. And then 5 through 6, we'll see the Lord really responding to this prayer of David and talking about an assurance given to those who have a heart after God as well as God's judgment upon those who refuse to give him his heart, that want to walk in a wicked way, that want to walk according to, you know, the God of this world, the enemy of our soul, whether they know they're walking according to him or not. So listen, with that said, let's read the text here this morning, and then we'll jump into it and just pray that God does a great work in our hearts today. A Psalm of David. I will sing of mercy and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. Whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. The one who has a haughty look and a proud heart, him I will not endure. My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land, that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Early I will destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off the evildoers from the city of the Lord. The first mark, and if you like making lists this morning, I got a list for you to make. The first mark we see here of David, a man after God's own heart, the mark of a man or a woman after God's own heart is something we've talked about all summer of the Psalms. A man or a woman after God's own heart is a worshiper of God. One that, again, worships in heart uh, as well, worships in expression and in song. We're living in a world where a lot of folks sing to and about a lot of things. But men and women, after the Lord's heart, they sing of the attributes of God and they sing praises and worships to God Almighty. Again, notice, I will sing of mercy and justice to you, O Lord. I will sing praises. David didn't sing of his mercy and David didn't sing of his own justice when he did what was right. Listen, David sung of the mercy and the justice of God. And we want to be found a people that absolutely rejoice in his mercy. A people that rejoice in his grace. We've talked about it many times. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And grace is getting what you don't deserve. We're saved by grace through faith. We are sinners. And yet we have been given grace through the work of the cross and salvation, though we don't deserve it. And we also get mercy from God Almighty because in our sin and rebellion, we deserve hell, separation from God forever. God is holy. Make no mistake about it. 
sin and rebellion is not going to slip into the back door of eternity we look at the mess of the world today we look at the history of mankind and see again all of the violence and murder and wickedness and so forth make no mistake that's not from the hand of god because but that's from man when he said i'll do as i will and i will be my own god and none of that is going to slip into glory it's not going to slip into heaven the only way we're going there is if our our sins are atoned at the cross of calvary and we have put our faith in jesus christ and have received his grace getting what we don't deserve and his mercy not getting what we do deserve in our sin and our rebellion. And listen, we should be singing and rejoicing in His grace and mercy because, again, if we're not under His grace and mercy, we're going to receive the fullness of His justice because He is a just judge. And so this morning, we want to rejoice that Christ has made the way through the cross. And we want to be a people that, again, praise Him but we're also praising his attributes and what he's done for us. We're worshiping in spirit and in truth. That's what David was. He understood, again, the attributes of God. He was growing in the understanding of that through the word, through trials and tribulations, through seeing the faithfulness of God day in and day out. And it caused him day in and day out to want to sing praises to the Lord. Listen, this morning, and again, we've seen it throughout the summer in Psalms, we have voices and we have music to glorify him, not to glorify men and sin. But sadly, most music in the world today, it glorifies men. And when I say men, I'm talking about mankind. It glorifies men and sin. You know, we step back and we say, how in the world did we get where we are as a nation? Have you done that at all lately? How in the world did we get to this place? Let me tell you, one of the ways we got to the place where we are is through the music of this nation. Now, make no mistake, in Christ, you have freedom. Amen? You have freedom in the Lord. We're not under the law. We're under grace. You have freedom to listen to whatever you want to listen to. But make no mistake, listen, you're going to reap what you sow, what you put in your heart. And a big part of that is the songs you listen to and the songs you sing. And listen, this nation, especially the last 50, 60 years, has sung and listened to songs of sin, rebellion, and godlessness generation after generation. And why we are in the place we are in now, a big part is because we've listened to and sung songs of sin, rebellion, and godlessness. Notice Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. A verse, we look at this so often. Whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. He who sows to the flesh will reap corruption. He who sows to the spirit of the spirit will reap everlasting life. And part of sowing is what you put into your heart, what you put into your ears. And again, a big part of that, because music was meant to worship God with when we are listening to the songs of the world that are used to worship men, to promote sin, to really worship the enemy of our soul, it's going to have an effect. You better believe it. And it's so sad as my heart that as a world and as a nation, we so oftentimes pay homage to these gross mockers of God. I mean, individuals that not only just sing about sin, they sing about 
Satan himself. They sing and glamorize and glorify rebellion and violence and sexual sin and pursuits of pleasures over the Lord. The so rarely have anything redeeming in their music whatsoever. And again, listen, don't take me wrong. Don't be thinking, oh, Steve's getting real legalistic up there this morning. I, I, I hate legalism. Legalism destroys. You're free in Christ to listen to whatever you want to listen to. But what our nation has been listening to over the last, you know what, many, many years, it has brought destruction. What do you think is going to happen when you pour that into your mind and your heart day after day after day after day and just say, well, I'm just entertained. I just love the riffs. I love the artistry of it and so forth. Listen, you're getting a message pumped into your heart. You're getting a message pumped in your mind. Music has been given to give praise and glory to our God. Not for us just to be reduced to a piece of crust that listens to things that are so vile and God-mocking for the sake of being entertained? I mean, think about that. The Bible in Proverbs talks about a man being reduced to a piece of crust by an adulterous woman. And are we so in a place that we have to be entertained so badly that we'll say, I'll listen to things that mock God by people who mock God, whose signs and symbols and so forth mock God just for the sake to be entertained, and then I can rest in it knowing I have freedom in the Lord. Listen, whatever you sow, you are going to reap. And hear this, David did not sing the songs of the Philistines. He didn't sing those songs. He was a worshiper of the Lord, a man after God's own heart. How can you be a man or woman after God's own heart if your heart is continually flooded with songs and music that blaspheme our God that mock the word of truth that mock what God has called us to listen earlier in the summer we talked about this and I talked about my own life the things I sowed into my heart for years and years and then coming to the Lord as a young man recognizing I got to get this out because I am living the way these musics this music is putting forth indoctrination there can't be one or the other now, again, I know we're going to hear music and so forth, and I'm not talking about here, you know, a song comes on when you're in the gym and you've got to plug your ears and start screaming and going into the locker room. Listen, it's around us. But are we going to saturate ourselves with this stuff? Are we going to sit there and meditate on it and let it indoctrinate us, indoctrinate us because it does indoctrinate, indoctrinate, I'll get my words out this morning, it does indoctrinate the listener. And David was not one who listened to the songs of the Canaanites and the Philistines. He was a worshiper of the Lord. And it started as a young boy. Listen, it started when he was out there tending to those sheep. We read in 1 Samuel 16. God had led Samuel to go anoint that next king of Israel. The man after God's own heart of who the Lord spoke of. He shows up to Jesse's house. That's where the Lord told him to go. And he said, one of his sons is going to be the next king. You need to anoint him. One of his sons is this man after my own heart. And we know Samuel showed up and he saw, you know, Jesse's sons. And some of them were very impressive in their appearance and so forth. In fact, we read in 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord said to Samuel, don't look at his appearance or his physical stature because I refused him. 
For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. But notice here, God looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. And so the rest of Jesse's sons come before Samuel. And one after another, Lord says, I haven't chosen any of these. Finally, Samuel says to Jesse in verse 11, are all the young men here? And then he said, well, there remains yet the youngest. He's there keeping the sheep. Jesse didn't even invite him into, you know what, the consideration of the prophet. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that David had a heart after God, sung the songs of the Lord, and I got a sense his brothers were singing the songs of the Philistines. And sometimes when you're in that place, you're going to get excluded from some things. We got to be willing to accept that. I'd rather be a man after God's own heart than be accepted by the world. Can we say amen to that this morning? Listen, they saw him as small and insignificant. Just out there keeping some sheep. Later his brothers would mock him. Don't you have a few sheep to go look over and so forth? They didn't see him worthy of an invite. But see, God saw David's heart of worship when he was out there tending to those few sheep. And listen, and this is huge. This is huge for the day that we are living in right now. As God saw David's heart as a heart of worship, you know what David saw in turn? David saw firsthand the power of God Almighty. Do you want to see the power of God Almighty in your life? You want to be in that place where as you're going through life, you see God going before you and you know that you know that you know, come what may, my God's going to see me through. Because see, later on, there was a taunter. There was a mocker of Israel. There was a giant. This giant looked like he could not be defeated. We're familiar with him. His name was Goliath. And we know each day he would go out and he would mock the army of God and he would mock God. And I'll tell you, according to the scripture, if any one of those soldiers would have went out in faith, they would have had victory over that giant. Because God had already told them, one of you will put a thousand of your enemy soldiers to flight. How much more could one put one giant to flight? And yet these men were not worshipers of God. They did not have the faith needed and trust in the Lord to go defeat this giant. But David, this young, insignificant man, who the Lord saw his heart and saw as a worshiper of the Lord, had saw the power of God. So when this giant came, he already knew of the power of God and said, listen, God was with me when that lion came to steal a sheep or when that bear came out to steal a sheep. And he told Saul, in 1 Samuel 17, 37, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. You feel like today maybe there's something that's trying to oppress you, get you in their hand. You need to be delivered from the hand of their nonsense and their fear mongering and so forth. Listen, worship the Lord. God inhabits the praises of his people and I'm convinced in this day that we are living in, the Lord wants to pour out his Holy Spirit upon his people. Can we say amen to that this morning? Listen, the mark of a man or a woman after God's own heart is a worshiper of God. And so let's be careful what we're sowing into our own hearts, what we're listening to. Listen, don't be reduced to a piece of crust and letting yourself be indoctrinated by a 
fallen world under the sway of the wicked one for the sake of being entertained. Verse 2. He says, but I, or I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. Listen, a man or a woman after God's own heart is one who desires to honor God in his public way. Hear this. In his private home and most of all, in his personal heart. Publicly, he or she wants to represent the Lord and the way that they behave and how they are perceived. And that is a wise thing to do. He talks about walking wisely, behaving wisely in a perfect way. And the perfect way wouldn't be something set up by men, but the perfect way according to the scriptures. David recognizing that he is here to represent the Lord. Listen, do you understand that this morning? We're here at this time as followers of the Lord to represent the Lord to a fallen world. The Bible says that we are ambassadors for Christ. Notice 2 Corinthians 5.20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We must implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And see, the Lord wants this world to get saved. The Lord's long-suffering in His return, not wanting any to perish. He's wanting to plead through you. He's wanting to plead through me for people to come to Christ. For them to recognize that Jesus, who did not know sin at all, became sin for us at the cross of Calvary, that we might be reconciled to God. That we might be redeemed from sin. That we might come into a place of right standing with God Almighty. Again, what's a profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? People need to get saved. And we are here to represent the Lord as an ambassador representing our heavenly nation that we are citizens of. Aren't you glad for that this morning? We're citizens of heaven. Is Jesus your Lord today? Can you say amen to that? You're registered in heaven, we read in Hebrews, and we are here to be ambassadors for Christ. A man or woman after God's own heart recognizes that. And they go forth wanting to represent the Lord everywhere they go. Listen, they recognize they're a book being read. 2 Corinthians 2, 3. You are our epistles written in our hearts, known or read by all men. And maybe some of you this morning say, I don't want to be known by all men. I don't want to be read by all men. And I'll tell you myself, I bear witness to that. Just leave me alone. Let me go live my little life over here. But listen, that's not what Scripture says. We're here, again, to be known or read by all men. And again, a man after God's own heart, when their life is read, their hope is that people would see Jesus Christ. That's their chief aim, and no matter what they do. A man or woman after God's own heart recognizes We've been called to be salt and light to the world. Matthew 5.13, Jesus said, you're the salt of the world. And then in verse 14, he said, you're the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Listen, our witness is so huge. And you look at David's life. And there were times when David had setbacks, no doubt about it. You ever have a setback? Any of us this morning? We have them, don't we? But as the Lord would chasten him, he would again bring those things before the Lord. 
and he recognized above everything that his call was to represent God to the world. Listen, men or women after God's own heart, they want to honor God, even if they're counted a fool by the world. At one point, we know that the Ark of the Covenant was going to get moved to the tabernacle there in Jerusalem. And David really didn't search the scriptures on how that was supposed to be moved. And really a disastrous unfolding came with that. David actually got upset with God. And they went and they put the ark in the house of Obed-Edom. And as time went by, no doubt David began to search the scriptures of how the ark was supposed to be moved properly. And then he heard the house of Obed-Edom where the ark was being stored was being blessed by God Almighty. And David could have very easily stepped back and said, look, I already look foolish in our first attempt to move the ark. If I go and say we're going to move it a second time, I'm going to look even more foolish and what will be said of me. But see, David didn't care about that. David just wanted to be right with the Lord, even in his first effort where he failed. And sometimes you take steps of faith and you fumble and you bumble and you fell. Anyone ever be there before? Even after that, he searched the scripture And said, I don't care what anyone thinks. We got to go move the ark where it's supposed to go. And when the ark began to get moved properly, he saw the blessings of God. And it says that David danced before the Lord in a manner that would be considered undignified by the world. In fact, we read of his own wife mocking him in the way he worshiped God. But ultimately, listen, again, he didn't care He wanted to be an ambassador for God, even if he was accounted a fool by the world. A man or woman after God's own heart, again, as he says here, they want to behave wisely in a perfect way. They care about honoring God more than men. Listen, even more so, a man or woman after God's own heart, they desire to walk the walk, and this is even bigger than publicly, in their private home and heart. He says, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart they know that what goes on in private is going to spill over to what goes on in public do you know that this morning jesus said in matthew 15 16 are you also still without understanding do you yet not understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated but those things which proceed out of the mouth notice here they come from the heart and they defile a man For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Listen, a man or woman after God's heart, they know that God sees all. And they're not aiming just to perform for, again, the world and those that see them. They want to please God. Whether people are watching or not. And hear this this morning. You want to know who you really are? You want to know your real character? You're going to find that when you examine your life and how it's lived when no one is around. What you think about, the intentions of your heart. Examine your behavior when no one sees and you'll find out a lot quicker who you really are. And David understood. David understood without Christ, we're all vile and wicked people. And it's why in Psalm 139, 23, he cried out, Search me, O God. And notice, he doesn't say, know my public display. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Try me in all my anxieties. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In other words, again, he said, Lord, I know that I get things in my heart. I get moving in a way at times that are not, it's, it doesn't line up with you. So I'm asking you to come and wash those things out of my life. Get away the leaven. Get it out of my heart. Get it out of my mind in my private conversation that I will go forth publicly and walk in a wise and a perfect way to your glory and to your honor. What do your conversations look like in the home? What do your thoughts look like? Do you behave differently when no one's looking? Do you say, hey, I can get away with this and no one will know? Are you one of those people that, you know what, you put forth a front of friendliness, but you know what, behind people's back, you look to sabotage them and go after them. God sees all that. That's not a mark after God's own heart. And again, those things done in private, eventually they always spill over to public, but more so, God sees and knows it all. Now notice in the midst of verse 2, Sandwiched in between this, sandwiched between wanting to walk perfectly in a public way and walk uprightly in the private household and heart, David cries out, oh, when will you come to me? And I'll tell you again in the psalm, we see some marks of a man or woman after God's own heart. First of all, they are worshipers of God. Secondly, the desire name to honor god again at all times publicly privately and then thirdly listen they have a desire for the coming of the lord do you have a desire for the coming of the lord today david did he did this first of all personally david longed for daily communion with god almighty the coming of the lord in that sense listen the lord's with us always to the end of the age but you can walk in darkness or light as a follower of the Lord. David wanted to walk in that fellowship with God Almighty. Listen, he knew of the great joy and fullness found in walking with the Lord. Do you know of that this morning? David cried in Psalm 34, 8, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. Again, he had tasted and seen God's good, and he had walked in the blessings found in trusting in god almighty listen in psalm seventy-one seventeen, he rejoiced in walking with the lord as a youth and he expressed his desire to walk with the lord in his old age all the way to the grave psalm seventy-one seventeen says oh god you have taught me from my youth and to this day i declare your wondrous works now also when i'm old and gray-headed oh god do not forsake me until i declare your strength to this generation your power to everyone who is to come. Do you desire that? When you wake up in the morning, is your desire to walk with God that day, to serve the Lord that day? I'll tell you, it's humorous. Again, when I gave my life or rededicated my life as a young man to the Lord, 22 years old, I remember for months on end, each day I would wake up and literally my mind would go to plotting evil. And within about 10 seconds, I would go, wait a minute, I'm a Christian. I want to serve the Lord. And it took a process of time to change that thinking, at least that initial thinking. Because it's so easy just to have other pursuits ingrained in us versus wanting to walk with the Lord and walk in the light. To say, Lord, come. Come with me in that unique, special way. Seeing when 
God walked with Enoch and Enoch walked with God and so forth. That intimate fellowship that we're called to. Listen, David, even in those times he fell into sin and he fell into some big sins. His biggest fear always was losing fellowship with God Almighty. When he fell into sin with Bathsheba, in fact, we're going to talk about that in a minute. In Psalm 51, 9, in the course of the aftermath of that, he said, hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And then notice verse 11, he said, do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. David did not want to grieve the Holy Spirit. He didn't want to be found walking in darkness. He knew what came with that. It was a loss of the joy of the Lord, the fruits of the Spirit, a life marked by the power of the Lord. He also understood, and we read in Scripture, that when we give place for sin, we give a place for Satan to get a stronghold on our lives. Again, a man or a woman after God's own heart recognizes that. They understand we're in a spiritual war and they want to walk in the fruit and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that should be a massive motivating factor in shunning sin and instead welcoming the work of God in our lives. Listen, a man or woman after God's own heart also desires and longs for the literal coming of the Lord. David longed for the first coming of the Lord. He also longed for the second coming of the Lord. Listen, many of the psalms that David wrote were about the Lord's first coming, his death and resurrection, as well as his second coming. One of my favorite psalms, I quote it so often, Psalms 2. It talks about the nations raging against God, against the Lord and his anointed, it says in verse 2. They want to cast off the counsel of God. They want nothing to do with God, and I think that that's coming to a major head here at the end of the age. Well, the world wants nothing to do with God Almighty. And David, knowing that, all the more longed for the coming of the Lord to set all things in order. He said in Psalm 2, 6, he says, yet, have I, yet I have set my king on my holy hill, prophesying here the Father's words. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. You know the Lord's coming back and he's going to set all this in order? You see all this rebellion in high places and these cocky, arrogant men and women who hate the Lord Jesus Christ? It's easy to say, you know what, where are we going? How is this going to end and be short-sighted? I know how this is in. A regime's going to be ushered in with the Lord Jesus Christ ruling and reigning upon high. Look past the end of your nose and know that there are days coming when the Lord is going to literally reign on this earth. And David longed for that. Listen, those with a heart after God, they rejoice in his first coming and they long for a second. And listen, this doesn't mean that you have to have a death wish. This doesn't mean that we can't again enjoy a walk with the Lord now and be thankful for blessings. But if there's no longing for the second coming of Christ, a red flag should go up. 
Listen, in Romans 8, it speaks about creation groaning for the revealing of the sons of God because man put this world into bondage when he sinned. But it also talks about us in Romans 8. In verse 23, it says, not only that, but we also having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we within ourselves grow with ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. In other words, when we come to Christ, part of the first fruits is a longing for the coming of the Lord. Recognizing again that God's going to usher in glory to a fallen world. Maybe those fruits were there at first, but now they're dried up. I'd encourage you to get back to the worship of God. It all starts there. Also, Paul tells us, and I don't got time to read it, but in 2 Timothy 4, 6, he talks about finishing the race and a crown of righteousness waiting for him. And he says, not only me, but for also all that love is appearing. You know, there is a crown waiting in glory for simply loving the appearing of the Lord. I think that's a crown that perhaps before the last couple of years, a lot of folks didn't have, but they got to wait for him now. That's sometimes where trials and tribulations are a glorious thing. I remember years ago hearing people that had done some missionary work in Russia when they were still steeped in a communism, and it is what it is today. I'm not going to get into all that. But they asked the Russian believers, they said, what's your favorite book of the Bible? And universally across the board, almost every single one said the book of Revelation. And they said, why? And they said, it speaks of the coming of the Lord. They said, we're oppressed here. We're suppressed here. We're looking for God to come back and liberate us from this nonsense. I think we're getting a little insight into that Russian mindset in this world that we're living in. At least I am. I'll speak for myself. Anyone else here? (laughs) Verse 3, and then we'll wrap this up in verse 4 through 5, or verse 5 through 8. Again, a man or woman after God's own heart's a worshiper of the Lord. Secondly, they aim to honor God at all times. Third, they desire for the coming of the Lord. And then four, they have an unwavering commitment, hear this, to shun evil. We talked a little bit about it, but they want to shun evil. They have an unwavering commitment to shun it. Verse 3, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I will hate the work of those who fall away. Notice, it shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. Is your heart in that place this morning? A man or woman after God's own heart hates and shuns sin. Listen, they refuse. They refuse to set evil before their eyes. They know it's idolatry. They know it's so damaging. Listen, this implies drinking evil in and meditating on it versus, versus having it flash in front of us. Because in this world today, you're going to get it flashed in front of you nonstop. It's a world marked by debauchery. But there's a difference between being tempted with evil and looking away versus tempted by it and then drinking it into your heart. And a man after God's own heart says, I'm not going to drink it in. And I'll tell you, David learned this the hard way. He learned it the hard way. 2 Samuel 11, encourage you to read it. Read it later on. We know it was the time of the spring when the kings go out to battle. And David was supposed to be out on the battlefield about the business of God, but instead 
David said, listen, take a rest, man. You deserve it. Take a vacation from the Lord. And he remained back in Jerusalem. And on one evening, he's walking up there on the top of his palace. And he looks down and he sees Bathsheba bathing. A woman beautiful to behold. And instead of looking the other way and immediately saying, you know what, send someone down there and get that woman a shower curtain. (laughs) Who else is looking down on this? Instead, we read that he went and he inquired of her. And he was told, wait a minute, that's Uriah, the Hittite's wife. And Uriah was one of 30 of David's mighty men, which even makes it worse. He inquired of her. After they warned David, he shrugged off the warning and he sent for her. She came in. We know what happened. They lie down together in the biblical sense. We know that she conceived a child and later on told David, I'm with with child and it's your child. And listen, David committed adultery. This started, though, first of all, with David not being about the business of God. Secondly, temptation was put before his eyes something wicked and instead of shunning it he drunk it in and it clinged to him and then he went and he walked in it and then it got worse instead of calling out to god and repenting he tried to cover it up eventually he murdered uriah bathsheba's husband he quenched the holy spirit we read in the scripture of his bones drying up in this dry time in his life, the driest time of his life. Finally, he's rebuked harshly by Nathan the prophet. He repents. God forgives him of his sins, but there's consequences that really last the rest of his life. David knew firsthand the damage of setting wickedness before his eyes. And hear this this morning. We talked about the songs of this nation and the damage that they have done. And listen, if you resist that and that upsets upsets you, you know it does because you know that I'm right. You know I'm right. And if you don't think I'm right, you better go get educated and start learning about sowing and reaping what the Scripture says about these things. It's time to grow up and be a man or woman of God, not a little boy or little girl. And we talked about the songs of this nation and the damage it's done. Listen, even more than the songs, the images that are viewed have destroyed and are destroying this nation. Listen, when Playboy was introduced to the general public, it was a turning point in the history of this nation. Because before then, there was something written called the Communist Manifesto. And it wasn't written by men that just wanted to usher in a new government. These are men that worship Satan himself. They are God-haters to the highest. And they wanted to see not just the downfall of America, but more so the destruction of Christianity. And in that manifesto, they wrote several things that if we can bring these things into this nation, we can destroy it. And one of the main focuses, focuses was the morality of the people. If we can make them an immoral people, immoral people are weak people, and they are people that are easy to control. And I'll tell you, we've come to the place now where 80% of the population view pornography. Where we are people that so many are just content with their, you know what, designer coffee, their cell phone, their smartphone, I should say, their Netflix 
their video games, their entertainment, and their pornography. And I'll tell you, these things destroy mentally, physically, spiritually, and relationally. There's nothing that destroys, or there's few things that destroy, like images that are pornographic, and our country drinks them in nonstop. This is why Jesus warned in Matthew 6, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. Do you hear that this morning, men and women? If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? This is why Job declared in Job 31.1, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a young woman? And this is why Paul instructed in Romans 12.9, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. And David says, I'll set nothing wicked before my eyes. And I'm going to hate. I'm going to hate the works of those who fall away. And then he declares, it's not going to cling to me. I don't even want a little bit of it in my life. Listen, the little foxes spoil the vines. And I know it's so easy, men and women of God, to be in that place where you're like, I'm not fully into this, but I just glimpse little things. And I'll look, and oh, Lord, I shouldn't have looked at that. And listen, I know a lot of times it's a process of coming out of these things and getting victory. But I would hope this morning you at the minimum have a resolute heart to say, I don't want to put it before my eyes. Because if you get up in this morning and you say, if it comes before my eyes, we'll see what happens. You're going to look at that stuff and drink it in. And you're drinking darkness into your soul. A destruction into your relationships, your marriages. You know why things like Viagra are so popular today? (laughs) Because pornography has destroyed the functioning that God has given to a man to have only towards his wife. Do you guys understand there's 18, 19, 20, 24 year olds that get married and on their wedding night they cannot consummate their marriage because they've been indoctrinated with pornography since they were five, six years old? Guys, this is not a small matter. And it's something that's just blowing up and getting bigger and bigger and bigger with various websites and platforms and so forth. A man or woman after God's own heart. Listen, they have resoluted in their heart. They have purposed in their heart. I will not set these things before my eyes. I'm going to guard my heart. And I'll tell you, if they drink it in, they are quick to repent. They don't go on a bender. They don't make provision. If it means safeguarding your life at every turn, they do what needs to get done. Now listen, God wants to meet you where you're at this morning. I don't want to talk about this without talking about how to get freedom. James 4, 7 is so huge. It says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. You got to submit these things to God. You got to bring it before the Lord. There's too many people that make excuses for the viewing of pornography and sexual sin, even in the body of Christ. I've, we, we've had people leave this church over the years. Oh, you're too strict. Of course I can go and lay with women and stuff. God gave me this functioning. What are you talking about? This is the word of God here. This ain't Pastor Steve's counsel. This is the scriptures. And if you have a compromised position in pornography, fornication, homosexuality, transgenderism, Whatever, you know, whatever it is, and the list goes on and on and on and on, you need to repent of that and submit that before God and call sin, sin, and ask God to forgive you. 
You can't resist the devil if you don't submit it to God. Notice, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You can't resist the devil in making provisions for these things. Resistance of the devil comes when you submit to God Almighty. When you say, this is wrong, God. Forgive me, God, and help me, God, because I've been indoctrinated with this stuff from the time I was a little boy or a little girl, which is the most of us out here in this garden, is it not? This stuff wants to destroy. But hear this this morning. Our God wants to heal and liberate And he's compassionate in these things. Make no mistake about it. He loves you immensely, saints. He died on the cross for you. So much better to be in the war and the fight against it than just being rolled over, beaten up by it. There's a big difference between the two. But I want to tell you firsthand this morning. I want to tell you, it's not just because I've read it, but I've experienced it. God wants to heal you in these matters. Notice Hebrews 12.12. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Nothing will, very few things will make you feeble and weak like pornography will. They'll cripple you spiritually. Notice though, though, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight paths for your feet. Notice here, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. The Lord gave me that verse years ago because I recognized I was a damaged soul and a damaged individual by years and years of sexual sin, drinking it in from the time I was a little boy and struggling and wrestling with it for years. And I'll tell you, the enemy will want to lie with you, lie to you and say, you can't have victory. I'm going to tell you, victory is available in the Lord Jesus Christ. And these are things that not only damage your spirit, but they literally damage and they'll destroy your mind. But we have a God who heals. He's the great physician. Begin to make straight your past, men. Begin to make straight your past, women. When you veer off the path, be quick to get back on it. A righteous man may fall seven times, but he rises again. And hear this, where sin aboundeth, grace aboundeth more. Now notice five down through eight. I'm like, oh, we got five pages of notes. We'll get done early. And I know that clock's right. It's a new clock. It's an atomic clock. Don't look back. Don't look back there right now. God responds now. David speaks in verse 1 through 4. He he speaks under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so it's all God speaking. But the Lord says, whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. The one who has a haughty look and a proud look, him I will not endure. My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land. They they may dwell with me. He who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. And then drop down, note of verse 7. He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Early I will destroy all the wicked of the land, that I may cut off all evildoers from the city of the Lord. This is a night and day scenario. David has been speaking his heart to the Lord. And now the Lord speaks to David and us. And he gives assurance to those who walk with him. Assurance to those that say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need your grace and mercy. I want to walk with you. Help me, God. I'm in the war. I'm in the battle, God. I want to resist. I want a purpose in my heart to serve you. And though like David, there might be times I fall short. By the grace of God, you'll pick me up. And onward, Christian soldier. Could we say amen to that this morning? 
And God gives them assurance. God gives them assurance. My eyes are on the faithful of the land. Isn't assuring to know that God's eyes are on you this morning? That God says, you're serving me. You're going to dwell with me. I dwell with you. Drink that deep into your heart. In the midst of this fear-mongering going on around us. No, no, no. Jesus is my Lord. God's going before me. God is on the throne. Lo and behold, he's with me to the end of the age. Lord, renew our minds with those truths even right now. Do a supernatural work. But on the other hand, he says, listen. You want to walk in secret sin? Slandering your neighbor behind their back? Walking in pride? You want to work deceit? You want to peddle lies? There's so many lies being peddled on the highest degree. There are crimes against humanity being put forth on mankind right now, unlike any other time in the history of the world. You better educate yourself on this stuff. Don't get overwhelmed by it. But you, we as a people are being lied to. Don't, don't, don't start giving in to it. This, there, we are being lied to over and over and over again. Liars run this world, but God is on the throne, and they'll give an account. And then he says in verse 8, early I'll destroy the wicked. And they're going to be cut off. They're not going to enter the city of the Lord. He's talking about the heavenly, the heavenly city. And I know that days like this and times and seasons can feel like they're dragging on and on. It seems long and so forth. But I'll tell you, we're early in the scope of eternity. <laughs> we're about six years in from creation. But I'll tell you, a million years in eternity, we'll just be getting started with the Lord Jesus Christ and the plans He has for us that we can't even begin to comprehend. Look, at this isn't a message this morning to try to overwhelm you, but to encourage you. We've been called to be in this world, but not to not to to be of it. We do love our country. We love our state. We love our community. And if you're deeply concerned about it, listen, this call to have a heart after God is not just for you. It's for those around you, because that's where change really begins in this country. The body of Christ repenting and coming out of being like the world. That's where it's going to happen. God grant us grace. Let's stand up and pray and ask for God's grace and mercy in all this. Oh, Lord God, we praise you. We give you glory and honor. We thank you for who you are. We thank you again for the work of the cross. Oh, Lord, without the cross, we have no hope whatsoever. Let us keep that straight. Let us keep it straight. Shine your face upon your people today, God. Maybe this morning there's something that God shined a light on in your life. Maybe it was something that was said. Maybe it was something that the Lord brought to your heart and your mind. Maybe there's things in your life you need to repent of today. Don't leave here without submitting those things to God. Listen. Child of God, don't leave here allowing the devil to continue to have that stronghold. Submit to God what needs to be submitted to God. That he would step in and resist the wicked one on your behalf. 
and usher in times of refreshing and healing. Maybe you're in the midst of the battle. We all are. Onward, Christian soldier. Maybe you came in here this morning and you've been walking hard and you're like, man, I just, I'm just in such a bad place. Bring it before the Lord. The scripture says if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Take the Lord up on that. Get up and move forward. Really, life's a cycle of it, man. If you're here and you haven't called on Christ, today's the day of salvation. You need to get born again. You need to come to the Lord. Ask Him to save you right now. Ask Him to wash you of your sin. Genuinely yield your life before Him and confess Him as your Lord. Listen, it's not salvation through a woman in prayer. It's putting faith in Christ to be the Lord of your life. And submitting your life before Him and just saying, Here I am, Lord, I need you. Bless any in that place. Lord, let us worship you right now in spirit and truth. Let's lift our voices to the Lord. The firstborn over all creation and far beyond imagination and all visible and invisible things Bow before Christ our King, Godhead dwelling fully in Him, crucified for our salvation, so incredible, indescribable God, Jesus Christ. Lord of all, holy, and all God's children singing, holy, nothing left to say but holy.
I just pray God blesses you today, shines his face on you. Listen, if if you if you feel the Lord tugging on your heart and you need you need to, you know what? Do do business with them, lay things before them. Listen, this is this is a place to do that. And uh, I'm gonna be up here, I'll pray with whoever. Um, pray with one another. If you wanna stay there at your seat and pray, then do that, man. Let let's let's let the Lord completely do what he wants to do so god bless you have a wonderful day in the lord jesus christ